Welcome to the Fool's Guide to the Occult. I'm something else. <laughs> yeah, you are. And I'm Alexa. <laughs> We're doing a new series of short stuff. We're going to call Symbola Ara. And there's not going to be really a schedule for these. They're just going to show up now and again. Just keep you on your toes like a pop quiz with no question. That is the best kind. Yeah, it really is. Uh, so these episodes will focus on various types of sacred and other occult-related symbols. And if you want, you can also check them out on YouTube and look at the various pictures of the symbols as we talk about them. So we'll create a short little video montage of pictures of the symbols to look at. We're going to cover a bit of history, and then we'll talk a little bit about our own understanding of the symbols. And here is a little disclaimer. Uh, the same symbol can mean lots of different things to different people in different places and times. Our aim is not to provide an exhaustive list of these meanings and contexts, because you could basically spend an entire life doing that, uh, but to give you some exposure to these symbols as an invitation to go do further research and to meditate on what they might mean to you and how they might be useful in your own personal practice. So this first episode is going to be about the Ankh. Yeah, it's the Egyptian symbol of life. I've also heard it sometimes referred to as the breath of life or the kiss of life. Uh, the Watkins Dictionary of Magic, in their Neville Drury writes, it's been suggested by some that the symbol has a sexual origin, combining the, the penis and the vagina into one motif. However, the Egyptologist, E.A. Wallace Budge, I guess, regarded this interpretation as unlikely. Though, I'd like to hear why Drury doesn't include that in his book. Um, I did see somewhere some people were saying they think it might be derived from like the strap of a sandal, I guess because it kind of looks like one. Though, I don't really know how that would be associated with the idea of life. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Th that sandal strap thing that I saw was something about uh, the actual like uh, uh, etymology of the word. I saw it, like, literally somewhere. People were saying, like, it looks like sandal strap. Maybe. But yeah, maybe. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> I've seen it as well. So. All right. So in Latin, it's referred to as uh, crux and on sada, or handle-shaped cross. Also heard it referred to as the African cross or the key to the Nile. In most depictions of ancient Egyptian deities in the pantheon, uh, you'll find the gods either holding it in one of their hands or it'll be on their scepter somehow in the, the motif, the design there. Usually it's in one of their hands, with the exception of like that short time period under Akhenaten, also known as Aminotep IV, uh, in which Egypt kind of becomes monotheistic, but we should talk about that at another point in time, because there's all sorts of fun stuff there to dig into. It's super fascinating. It is. It's really kind of neat, because it's like the beginning of like the sun god thing, and like the myth of the dying god, blah, 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 all that stuff. Anyway, back to the Ankh. The Ankh was well established as a symbol of everlasting life by the time of the Old Kingdom, which is about 2613 to uh, 2181 BCE. The caskets and sarcophagi were commonly decorated with the Ankh and were known as Neb Ankh, which means possessing life. And the dead were said to be the Anku, living or having life. 
Later on in the Middle Kingdom, which was about 2040 to 1782 before the Common Era, a number of hand mirrors were created in the shape of an Ankh. One famous example of this was discovered in the tomb of Tutankhamun, or King Tut, as you may know him by. The word Ankh was used to refer to a mirror. I thought this fact was super interesting because it reminded me of the notion that the afterlife is a sort of mirror of the living world which I think plays out in Egyptian mythology. <laughs> exactly. Uh, there's also the association of water with the mirror, which is often associated with femininity. Uh, this makes me think of how Egyptologist Wallace Budge equated the Ankh with the knot of Isis, or jet, uh, a ceremonial girdle thought to represent female genitalia and symbolizing fertility. Uh, a mirror is one of the symbols for the goddess Venus, too. So maybe there's some crossover there. I don't know. Is it? I was actually doing a lot of research on Venus, Aphrodite recently. I didn't come across that one. Is it like uh, vanity, beauty associated? Yeah, beauty. And I guess vanity, too, in like the shadow aspect of that. So, um, but yeah, later, uh, the Ankh was adopted by Christianity. Uh, scholar Jack Tresseter writes that it has been variously understood as the rising sun on the horizon, as the union of male and female or other opposites, and also as a key to esoteric knowledge and the afterworld of the spirit. So the Coptic Church of Egypt inherited the Ankh as a form of the Christian cross, symbolizing eternal life through Christ. I like that much better. The regular crucifix is spooky. Sometimes the Ankh is worn as a necklace or affixed to other pieces of jewelry as an amulet for protection or a long, healthy life. It's usually made of gold, though many other materials are, are pretty common as well, silver, copper, other stuff like that. The Ankh was occasionally combined with other Egyptian symbols, which I'm sure we'll dig into in future episodes of this, uh, to create even more powerful protective charms. Um, even just writing it on a piece of paper or papyrus and keeping it with you is thought to be considerably sufficient, I guess. Eleanor L. Harris points out in Ancient Egyptian Divination and Magic that it's noteworthy to consider the word Ankh contains the Egyptian word Ak, which refers to the aspect of dead souls who obtain the power of magic after death. That said, many words contain similar sounds, uh, so maybe this was intentional or not. We're never really going to know. Um, but I think we should do an episode on the magic of sound or sound is magic or something like that at some point. Yeah, dude, I would love to. I've actually been thinking about that concept so much lately. So that sounds very good. Uh, in modern times, the Ankh is usually still considered to be a symbol of life or some, sometimes wisdom. Uh, it's used by a wide variety of people. I mean, Hermeticism and Thelema, it's considered to represent the union of opposites, you know, we've seen before, which here is sort of a state of being which encompasses divinity and agency of the self. Yeah, and um, in modern pop culture, it's sort of become a symbol for the vampire. Uh, this is probably largely due to the immersive role-playing game Vampire the Masquerade, which has a really interesting history all of its own. Well, now I sort of just want to hear about that, <laughs> but you can tell me later. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. Okay, so what do these symbols mean to us? Uh, for me, it's all of the above, vampires included. Uh, I have a small gold one I used to wear on my neck all the time. People kept mistaking it for a crucifix, though, so I kind of stopped wearing it for that reason. Uh, I really like it as a symbol of life, but it also has associations with divinity, and in a pantheistic sense, we're all that, right? Mm -hmm. We are the universe experiencing itself. 
DAO, Brahma, whatever. It's a symbol I work with pretty frequently for those reasons, I guess. Oh, that's cool, man. I love what you said, man. It's such an important concept in like so many traditions, this idea of like, you know, the universe experiencing itself. I'm going to resist the urge to talk about Kabbalah since our aim is to keep this short. I used to use the Ankalat when I was younger. I also was a spooky kid, <laughs> but uh, more recently, I haven't really worked with it as much. I do like it, though. Um, nowadays, I do agree that I sort of see it as a union between two principles, um, in addition to being a symbol for, you know, life and everything. So, yeah, there you have it. Super. We've got a mini work cited for you, and we're out. The first one is Ankh. Ancient History Encyclopedia 2016. And then Ankh from Britannica.com. Uh, the Watkins Dictionary of Magic by Neville Drury. Ancient Egyptian Divination and Magic by Eleanor L. Harris. And my own brain because I teach ancient Egyptian mythology every year. Awesome. Well, thank you everybody so much for listening to our first episode of Simbala Sakura. We hope you are doing well out there. Uh, if you haven't already, check out our main show. We talk about the occult, chaos magic, and whatever else we feel like. So also follow us on Instagram at Fool's Guide and consider joining our community page on Facebook, Fellow Travelers. And if you already love the show and you want to support us, consider joining our Patreon. It's pay what you want, $1 minimum, and that's all access to all of our bonus content. There's no tiers, nothing like that. Just, you get it all. Whatever you can do to support us, we love it. Yeah, hell yeah. And there's going to be some odd stuff on there. Check it out. Totally. All right. Well, until next time, friends. Cheers.